And welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from TheNextReel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are, of course, talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man, where all of this began. And joining us on the show today, we have our first guest. It is Ryan Dalton with Legible Scrawl. Hey, Ryan. Hey, happy to be here. Our first guest. Hallelujah. We need a chorus of cheers. <laughs> it's definitely nice to have another voice on the show, uh, you know, jumping in and chatting with us about uh, Iron Man. What's your journey with uh, Marvel and Iron Man in particular? Are you a fan of the comics? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially uh, the Invincible Iron Man run, the Mad Fraction run. Uh, I was a huge fan of um I, I I really bought into the whole extremist storyline. I thought that was fun. Uh, you know, I, I've been a nerd my whole life. I loved comics as a kid. Kind of got away from them a little bit as a young adult. And then in my 20s, I, uh, I made a friend who was basically a comic encyclopedia. And... Uh, he introduced me to a little comic called Watchmen, which uh, <laughs> reignited my whole love for comics. And I, it's been a love affair ever since. And what about the Marvel films? Have you always been like going and watching all the, all the comic book films when they come out? And this was just like another one that uh, became so much more? You know, I, I, I watch any comic book film I could get my hands on. I would usually give it a shot, even... You know, during the dark times when we were not getting very good ones, and I would, uh, you know, my hope would always spring eternal. So I would go and I would watch. And when the Marvel movies started coming out, I remember when the first trailer for Iron Man hit, and even my non nerd friends were like, "What is this all about?" And and suddenly I was kind of the the tour guide for for non nerds. Was like, "Okay, this is who Tony Stark is, and this is why you should definitely see the movie with me." And uh, so, yeah, for the first several Marvel movies, I, I was uh, explaining a lot to a lot of friends. We've we've hit an interesting time now where that they don't need me to explain a lot anymore. Even my non geek friends, it's funny how much Marvel knowledge they have. Uh, but yeah, that's how it all started for me. Yeah, it's funny. It really has uh, has changed so much over the past uh, couple decades, and it's interesting because uh, I mean, technically, Marvel had been making other films um, really recently, right before this. I mean, the Spider Man films were right ahead of this, and and it wasn't really the sense of the universe yet, though. It was just it was just another comic book movie at the time. So it's funny thinking back on it now that oh, here's Iron Man, just another Marvel comic book movie. Yeah, and there used to be among the the studios that the bought the rights to these films there was always this uh philosophy of oh these shared universes they would never work these com you know these heroes don't uh like their whole tones don't mesh together and there were nerds like me who were, would be furiously pointing to the comics and being like it's worked there for 50 years and you say it doesn't work and <laughs> right. then, uh, then along comes uh yeah, this uh, this revolutionary idea for Marvel that's like, hey, why don't we put on the movies what has worked for decades for the comics? And lo and behold, here's uh, now everybody's trying to get their own shared universe. Well, what's so funny about it, it, it's almost like there's a shared actors universe, too, right? Because there was there was a part of that skepticism was there's no way we'll get all of these actors to be able to agree to share screen time with one another uh, another over the course of two hours. I'd like to introduce you to Infinity War. Uh, it, it is an amazing <laughs> sort of awakening in the sort of agency model of, uh, you know, of creative talent. Not only that, but coming coming on board just for like essentially a cameo, right, where you just pop on for one scene right um and it's so it's an interesting it's an interesting journey and it'll be a fun one but i suppose i should narrow us down because today we're specifically talking about minute six which actually begins with essentially a powerpoint presentation and ends with poor roadie abandoned at the podium 
<laughs> oh, Rhodey. We finally get to meet Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes, a.k.a. Rhodey, played by Terrence Howard. Uh, but before that, we're we're kind of still stuck in this in this uh, slideshow, this uh, exposition of who is Tony, um, and we start with the Forbes magazine cover, the new kid. Yeah, I uh, I love this this scene actually, uh, just as as a writer because it's it's a very efficient way to let uh, an audience who's unfamiliar with him know who he is without really telling him. Look, we're just telling you who this guy is. Just sit there for a minute, and we'll, we'll give you an outline. They 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 wrapped it in this whole uh, ceremony that's introducing Tony, and uh, I thought it was a fairly elegant way to get some exposition in there. Well, elegant and and beautiful and patriotic, and it tells us all about Tony in the context of this company, and then the you know the sad trombone of <laughs> Rody at the podium. It, it is it's just uh, you know tonally, uh, it's just perfect. I, you know, efficient is uh, on the money. Well, and it does give us a sense again of who this Tony guy is. Right, we're getting this sense of of the genius side of him. We've already kind of been introduced to a little bit of the playboy side that we saw. Uh, um, back in the Humvee, um, but here uh, we're we're left with uh, you know poor Rhodey standing at the podium with uh, no one to come up and accept this award. So it's uh, it is kind of a, a moment that he's got here. Before we get to that, though, I you know, I have to point out as it just cracks me up as I was looking at all these magazines again to notice the typo on the cover of Forbes. Did either of you catch that? Oh, I don't think so. It says Tony Stark takes reins at twenty one. But it has reigns spelled with a G. It's R-E-I-G-N-S, which, I mean, if they took, uh, my only hunch is that the production design team that was putting this together might have initially had Tony Stark reigns at 21, but then like, it doesn't fit right. Let's put takes reigns without realizing that they take take the G out. Uh, Or just a really bad attempt at wordplay. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm never not going to see that now. I know. Yeah, I can see him trying to make that case. It doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like I've seen this movie how many times? I've watched this minute how many times? Welcome to the world of movies by minutes. <laughs> it's kind of like the the original uh, Spider-Man movie. I, I never noticed uh, for a few viewings in that uh, alleyway fight scene when he's knocking the guys around. There's one spot where he throws these guys through some windows and then like two shots later you look at the windows and, the, and they're whole again um, uh-huh. the magic and i never window. noticed until yeah. someone pointed it out i was like oh a, a plague on your house for pointing that out that's all i well, see now you're welcome <laughs> we really get to meet obadiah stain more in this minute we saw him in the last minute as he's kind of there's a cutaway of him watching this slideshow um, but, uh, Obadiah Stane, I had no idea who he was. I, as, as I told Pete in the, in the earlier, um, minutes, I really was not an Iron Man reader. I didn't know anything about the comics and actually I didn't read the comics until really recently, just kind of getting prepped for this. And I've been really enjoying them. And I did read the run of it's basically Iron Man 163, where, uh, Obadiah Stane is, is, uh, introduced through 200 when he becomes Ironmonger. I read through that entire run and I just totally fell in love with it because I was like, this is so dark for a comic book. We have Tony Stark living on the streets. He's a drunk alcoholic and Rhodey is playing Iron Man for the bulk of that series. And it was such an interesting run of comics. And Obadiah was a really interesting villain, just the way that he kind of um, played off of all of that and became, he was, he was basically a competitor 
of Tony's, uh, another um, weapons manufacturer, and he uh, got the controlling interest of Stark. And I think my favorite cover of that whole run is the one where it says Stark Industries, and you see this crane dropping in the two letters N-E over the R-K. And so you're huh. getting from Stark to Stain, and I'm like, oh, that's a great way to to play with that. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it, but he's a great character, and of course we have Jeff Bridges playing him. Well, I would watch anything Jeff Bridges does, <laughs> and uh, it, it's interesting to me that in the movie they uh, yeah took him from being an outright competitor to almost an exasperated father figure at first, at least when right. we see him with the part of him that we see, uh, and then that that transformation that happens later in the movie is a little bit more. Uh, um, a, a little bit more of a downward spiral after what seems like a guy who's on Tony's side. Yeah, we are. Um, we're we're keeping ourselves from from talking about the the later minutes. Uh, we're talking oh, about okay. the no, and it's fine <laughs> bringing them up. We, uh, you know, I, I told Pete our, our mandate is we can talk about the comics and and the minutes before what we've seen, but we're pretending the rest of it we have not oh, seen man. yet. So I'm on minute one for me, and I already broke the rules. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I should spoil it. We've also sp- broken the rules yes, we're, at minute we're, one. I think oh, so. Okay. We're, we're we're terrible <laughs> rule breakers. I, I, I think it's fascinating. And I just want to say, I think as an aside, it feels like for the last 15 years, I haven't seen an interview with Jeff Bridges where he doesn't feel like he is playing a character in uh, in a long running movie where he's just uh, a broken, uh, probably <laughs> high, um, you know, guy who's just not he 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 just feels like he's he just doesn't care about the rest of the world anymore and what the world thinks about him, et cetera. And this movie, for it, it feels like a massive transformation to get from Jeff Bridges, how he gets up out of bed every day, into Obadiah Stane, this like bald, strong titan of a man. How does he do that? Like, at the actor, <laughs> how is his body physically capable anymore of of making this kind of transformation and cleaning up the way he does uh so i'm i am i love jeff bridges anything that he does i'm i'm very excited about uh this felt like the least jeff bridges character uh that i've i feel like i've seen him play in the last 30 years i agree um to make a bad pun in stark contrast to this i just <laughs> recently rewatched uh tron legacy and in that in that uh, movie you know he's he's kind of a broken guy he's uh you know he's almost like like the one line that he said that always sticks with me he says oh you're messing with my zen thing sam and he, right. he just seems like a guy who's <laughs> just trying to have some peace and please stop knocking on his door and uh yeah it it, it feels like not even just like a different role it feels like a different person when you're watching as Obadiah Stane. Oh, absolutely. Well, he feels in my head, he goes back to like, you know, his Charles Howard character from Seabiscuit or something like that, where he's he's, you know, kind of a a rich businessman or even the president when he's in the contender. Like that's to me is kind of the Obadiah Stane presence that I get from Jeff Bridges here. But yeah, you're right. So much of of him, especially recently, he just feels like a different iteration of either the dude or or of when he did Rooster Cogburn. Like, that's kind of, you know, the the two variations that I see most often from him. And so that's the funny part, right? That he is, I think he's absolutely terrific as Obadiah Stane. He is terrific as Obadiah Stane. And how would anybody have looked at Jeff Bridges outside of this character and seen, yeah, I think think Jeff could do it. 
Like I would just never have made that leap. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, hearing them talking about uh, it before the film was um, when it was still in development and he's been hired and everything, they still are having conversations a little bit about a different character, the Crimson Dynamo, which was a different villain. And I think he was actually set to play Crimson Dynamo. But then I think when they thought about having him as uh, as Obadiah with the bald head, they're like, oh yes, he'd be he'd be great with that look. And so that's that's what switched the whole thing to. Uh, to Obadiah Stane and uh, Ironmonger, which is, it's I I can't see it any other way now. No, True. I agree. Uh, we he doesn't actually say anything in this minute. We spend we we get a a, a, a knowing look between Obadiah <laughs> and uh, poor Rhodey on screen, uh, but mostly he's just there, spotlit uh, next to the empty chair. It's a a very religious uh, kind of a spectacle. The empty the empty seat. At the Last Supper. Yeah, and that look is like, what are you going to do? It's Tony. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, we've, we've all been here before. Uh, that, that, a little bit of that shared uh, understanding. Can we talk a bit about Terrence Howard since, uh, you know, it's Terrence Howard? Yeah. Oh, he, he's a fantastic actor. And this was, uh, I think, pretty much on the heels of a couple of his, of his bigger movies that came out before this. Hustle and Flow and Crash were two films that he had gotten some good recognition for. And um, and here he is playing Rhodey and uh, boy, he sounds like he's got a lot of passion for Tony as he as he speaks here. Rhodey, of course, premiered in Iron Man 118 um, and then in Iron Man 170 is where he first donned the Iron Man costume. And Iron Man 284 is where he finally becomes War Machine. Um, but initially, when he first was in the comics, he was just a pilot for for Tony. And, and we first meet him. He's prepping the jet copter for him. So it's it's. Uh, a very funny way that they've kind of modified the character. But I actually really like that they've boosted him up to be the military liaison for Stark Industries. Yeah, it's sort of like the transformation they gave to uh, Bucky in the Captain America movies that uh, you, you elevate someone in order to have a different dynamic to their characters. And I, again, with Tony, I think it really works, just like it did, it did with Steve, and that someone like Tony, it's useful to have someone who's his friend and you could tell has is loyal to him, but will also get in his face and be like, you're an idiot and, and just tell him what's what. And that's a fun dynamic to watch. It really is. And as we see in this movie, there are, there are fantastic examples of just that when it is their relationship between these two characters, it is his role. Rhodey's role as a foil that allows us to learn some very important character beats about Tony. And, and so again, to that point of efficiency, their relationship is an, if, efficient vehicle to get us in the head of Tony Stark as he makes his transformation. And you can tell in the speech that he gives that he is very much, to borrow a, a comic fandom term, he's a true believer in what they're doing for the military, for the country, uh, for the world in general. And you, you can see that passion. It really comes across in how he introduces Tony. Well, and that fits well with the whole essence of kind of the creation of Tony Stark and Iron Man in the comics of uh, to begin with, that whole idea of that Stan Lee had of let's take this this uh, rich playboy character that is everything that the the war protesters and the comic book readers are against and turn him into somebody that they'll actually love. And I think that's a really interesting way to to play with Rhodey, where he's kind of on that side as well. And it works really well in in setting everything up here. I agree. We have some music that kicks in here when uh, when Rhodey starts uh, talking. Um, it is, of course, the uh, the theme song from the old uh, Iron Man TV show that was a part of the Marvel superheroes, uh, written by Jack Urbont, 
back in the 60s. This is a, a, a new arrangement by John O'Brien and Rick Boston. Uh, John O'Brien was an old friend of John Favreau's, uh, who sadly died in 2011 uh, at the age of 45 uh, in a hotel room. Kind of a sad end. Um, but uh, we, we're going to hear this kicking in a few times uh, throughout the movie. There I go, breaking the you rules again. Your own rule. I don't remember. <laughs> I know, I'm terrible. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> I don't remember this show. Is that crazy? I don't think I ever saw it. I never knew there was a show. I, I don't know if it had uh, many repeats or anything, but I don't think I ever saw the Marvel superheroes uh, TV show. Me either. In fact, yeah, this was an Easter egg that I was not even aware of until just recently. Uh, I, I don't think I ever saw the show either. They had um, a bunch of segments. They had uh, Captain America had his own segments. Um, and it looks like each of them were given 13 episodes. So, I mean, each of them had basically a full season. Captain America, the Incredible Hulk, the Invincible Iron Man, the Mighty Thor, Prince Namor, the Submariner. Mm. So those are the uh, the characters that had episodes on the show. I, it's interesting. It's a strange run. I wouldn't have expected the Submariner to pop up in there. But I was just going to say, wow, <laughs> I can't wait for phase nine when we get the Submariner standalone movie. <laughs> Well, we'll see how Aquaman does. Maybe it will spur them on to push him, push him <laughs> into phase four. that's what we've been waiting for all along. A successful DC movie about the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything else with this minute, you guys? Um, I think that's, that's all I got for this one. That's all I got for this one, uh, as ever. I can't wait for uh, minute seven. Well, that is it for today's show, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com and join us over on Discord. And you can uh, jump into our chat room there. And you can, of course, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. If you like what we do, don't forget to also support us over on patreon.com slash The Next Reel, where you can uh, get some cool stuff and uh, get some additional uh, shows and all that fun stuff. So, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Do you have any uh, anything you want to plug? Where can people find you? All that good stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm uh, Ryan Dalton. In addition to doing voice acting with Legible Scrawl, I'm also an author. I have a, a sci-fi series out, the Time Shift Trilogy. Uh, you can find that pretty much anywhere books are sold, online or in stores. Uh, the first one is called The Year of Lightning, and it's a time travel mystery series. Oh, that sounds right up our alley. That's fantastic. Uh, I know. <laughs> when, when are you going to sell the rights, man? Uh, well, we'll do a movie. Uh, we'll do a sh- we'll do a show on it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, I've ha- I've had a couple of nibbles. Uh, who you know? Who knows? I'm kind of I'm a little bit small time, but but uh, hey, wouldn't that be fun? That would be fantastic. We knew you win. And and tell us real quick, what is uh, Legible Scrawl? So uh, it's started as sort of a collective of uh, people like me who are writers uh, and then other actors uh, who just wanted to get together and do fun podcast stuff like uh, audio dramas and uh, just do interesting things that kind of take chances. And um, they've branched off into a lot of different uh, original programming shows and um a couple of the things that I have uh, been involved in. One was called "To Prove a Villain," um, which is uh, uh, two different seasons, and they're both. The first one uh, is set in the DC universe. Uh, second one set in the Marvel universe, uh, and essentially they are um, recorded interviews with supervillains. And uh, in addition to the recordings, there's also sort of a 
there's a ser- kind of a season arc that you see play out as the um, as they progress. Uh, and in uh, in the Marvel season, I played Wilson Fisk, uh, and in the DC season, I played Lex Luthor. So apparently, I'm good at playing uh, rich megalomaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Obadiah Stane is right in your wheelhouse. I know. Why haven't I played him? <laughs> I gotta talk to Kyle. He's the the, the like the main guy behind Legible, Legible Scroll, and be like, I, I guess I gotta complete the Trinity and play stain now that's right, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well that is just fantastic uh and that's at legible if people want to learn more about it yeah and then you can if you search legible scrawl i'm sure you'll be able to pull up uh a lot of the different uh shows there's one called monday matinee they do that has a lot of interesting programming and uh yeah the catalog continues to grow lots of fun listening check that stuff out and again don't forget to check us out at marvelmovieminute.com until next time true believers 